Hi, this is Stephanie, the host of the Empower Your Life podcast. And on this episode, we did a talk with Kayla and she is a women's health pelvic floor physical therapist from Genesis Physical Therapy. And we get into just all the ins and outs of you know, how our pelvic floor works and why the education that we get from doctors is not relevant when it comes to women's health and the pelvic floor. Um, it's crazy the things that they suggest with people that have leaking, prolapse, um, even ab separation, um, painful sex. There's so many things that can be done naturally that can help get our body kind of back into balance within our pelvic floor muscles. And it goes way beyond than just Kegel exercises. So um, Kayla goes into just you know, how everything works and um, the things that a pelvic floor physical therapist can really help when it comes to the body and healing it naturally. So uh, check out this podcast and um, enjoy. This is the Empower Your Life podcast, where you can find some of the best health and life tips to keep you active and living life without having to go through surgeries, procedures, and medications. We want to give you hope that it is possible as the body has an amazing ability to heal if we give it the right environment. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast to hear a very special offer. Without a further ado, let's get started. Okay, guys, um, I am so excited to be doing this presentation with Kayla because this is a topic that needs, we just need to get this information out there. And a lot of times when people go to doctors and we see this all the time with orthopedic issues, but really with women's health, um, the first options are you have to live with this. That's just what happens as you get older and, um, or they want to suggest surgery. And these things are just, it's just not true. So um, just because it, you don't have to be pregnant and listen to this talk, this is going to be a talk really for a woman of any age, because these can happen younger in life, later on in life. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. And um, I'm really excited to, to share more from this topic. So if you don't guys, if you don't know me, my name is Stephanie. I am a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for almost gosh, 20 years. I feel like I'm not that old, <laughs> but, um, and I have specialized really in like outpatient orthopedics. Um, I really help people try to avoid surgery, injections, medications, really getting their life back, really getting to the source of the problem. And, um, I have a, 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 an office at the White Rock Lake location. And there's like three, not four of us, four therapists now. And, um, yeah, I grew up in Dallas. I uh, have loved playing sports my whole entire life, played college soccer. Um, so for me, I just loved learning about the body. That was like what I, I love to do in life. It's I, I love to learn and I love to figure things out. I love puzzles. And so um, I've really enjoyed, you know, trying to figure out the body because it is a puzzle. And, and there are, when it is an orthopedic issue, it, there are patterns to everything. So I'm excited to introduce Kayla who specializes in women's health, pelvic floor, physical therapy, if you haven't heard of that. So Kayla, um, go ahead, let's um, introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Kayla, like she said, and I am a pelvic PT here in the Dallas area. I honestly, going into PT school, I didn't even think about pelvic PT. We really didn't get much introduction to it as well. I would say maybe we had like a day of it. And even then I was like, nope, this isn't for me. <laughs> 
But, <laughs> but I quickly learned um, after shadowing some of the therapists at Genesis, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, you know, growing up, I would hear my grandma and my aunts saying things like, don't laugh too hard because then you're going to pee yourself. And I was like, no, like there has to be a solution. And so once I stepped into the world of pelvic PT, I was in love with it and have not looked back since. And so I'm so excited to help teach you guys about what it is because truly everyone has a pelvic floor. So this is for everyone. Even the males. <laughs> Even the males. Yep. <laughs> Okay, I always forget, there we go. Okay, so some of the things that we're gonna be talking about are how to take care of leaking when you run, jump, sneeze, or cough, um, how to solve bladder and uterus prolapse, how to resolve ab separation, where you'll see like we had a patient that came in um, and uh, they were, they told us like, well, I have this like alien that's in my stomach. <laughs> it's like, what? And, and it come to find out it's like, it's the whole ab separation piece of it, how to handle back pain um, before and after having a baby. When surgery and testing um, don't always help in getting to the source of the problem, really understanding what's going on. Why Kegel exercises are not always the answer. That's huge. Oh my gosh. If there's nothing that you take from this <laughs> talk alone is that Kegel exercises are not always the answer. Um, and really what healthcare providers miss in treating these conditions. So let's go to it. Yeah. So there are some myths that are told about women's health. Um, and especially even when it comes to pelvic PT. So often some of the myths are that it's only for pregnant women or only for postpartum. And just like we talked about before, it's for both men, women, and even children. Um, and then other things is that these are just normal things that happen as you age, or these are just normal things that happen because you've had kids. Um, and that's not true. Like even during your pregnancy, you shouldn't be in constant pain just because you have kids doesn't mean that you should be leaking or having any, um, Kegels don't fix everything. And I feel like that is one of the biggest myths and also just a very common answer that patients get told when they go to the doctor. Um, and it's also just frustrating when you do go to someone that you trust to give you a good answer information and they're like, oh, just do some Kegels and you do them and they nothing gets better. So then you're like, okay, well, what do I do? I guess surgery is my only option. And that's where we come in and we're like, no, there are other options. Um, there's other things that you can do. And so we're so excited to talk about this. Yeah, and I know a lot of the things that you'll be going into, we'll get, we'll get into some ideas and suggestions on things that can help, but also just want to preface that to really get to the source of what's going on with you, it really, and, and getting there as quickly as possible, it really takes doing a thorough evaluation because there's so many pieces and parts that could be, um, that could be missed if you're just like, oh, I'm just going to Google this, or I'm just going to try, try this and see if this helps, which is all great things to do. But if you really want to get that full resolution, that evaluation is, um, is really key. All right. So I even brought my pelvic floor model. We got a pelvis. 
All right. So if you don't know what your pelvic floor is, it's all the muscles that make up this bowl from your pelvis. And so everything that's red, those are all muscles. And so as you can see, they control a lot of sphincters, meaning your urinary and your bowel sphincters. So that means that they help with urinary and bowel functions. There's also a lot of sexual organs around this area. So they help with um, sexual function. They also are just like other muscles, meaning that these muscles can also get tight they can get sore, um, they also contract and relax. So that means that we don't just want them to be strong, we want them to be flexible, we want them to respond at appropriate times, we want them to be coordinated. Um, but they have a big importance because they connect your top half with your bottom half. So really, if you're having anything down in the ankle, any foot issues, your pelvic floor is probably involved. Again, if you're having anything up in the neck, even though pelvic floor is a little bit lower, there's probably some things going on here too. Okay. So with leaking and incontinence, what that means is that there is either um, any leaking of urine, fecal matter, or gas. And so that means that the muscles that should be controlling the sphincters, meaning that it should be closing, isn't closing. So with bladder, a good bladder habit is that we should be going to void our bladder every two to three, two to four hours. So if you notice that you're starting to go every 30 minutes, that's kind of a heads up. Okay, maybe I should go see a pelvic PT um, because we would call that urinary frequency. Uh, at night, you also should only be waking up zero to maybe one time a night. Um, so if you're waking up a lot at night to go to the bathroom, that's also another thing that we would talk about. Okay, how much are you drinking before bed? Um, what, what, are the, what are other habits that are the reasons why we're waking up so much at night? Um, but the other thing that you can notice is how long is your stream? So there's so many things about your bladder habits that are very important for your pelvic floor. If you notice that you go to the bathroom and it's maybe, you know, two second, like little dribbles, that lets you know that your bladder was not full at the time and that we could have waited a little bit longer because the way that the signal for your urge to go, how it works is that the bladder will let you know, okay, hey, we that first urge is kind of letting you know that it's halfway full. And so then typically we can wait a little bit longer. And then once we get another urge, then that's our true urge. So with the bladder, we wanna build good habits, especially before pregnancy, afterwards, um, because it's very in tune with the brain and your brain will learn, learn those habits. So for example, if you go to the bathroom every time before you leave the house, then you might start to notice every time you leave the house, you get an urge. So these are things that we wanna make sure that we're building good bladder habits so that we can make sure that we're not leaking, whether you're on your walk, whether you're at home, whether you're laughing with friends, um, these are good things to build. Okay, so types of incontinence. There is stress incontinence and there is urge incontinence. So with stress incontinence, that means that there is an involuntary 
loss of urine, um, feces or gas with a physical exertion. So think of anything that adds pressure. So if we think of your core, that means your back muscles, your ab muscles in the front, your pelvic floor in the bottom, and then your diaphragm, which is the muscle that helps you breathe. If we think of that as like a can and we're adding more pressure, so with like a sneeze, a cough, exercise, if you leak with any of those activities, that's gonna be considered stress incontinence. Then urge incontinence is when you get an urge and you have to go right at that moment. So you can't wait, you can't set your things down, you need to go and you're leaking on the way to the bathroom. So that can be, you know, maybe you have running water and that causes you to have an urge and you start leaking. Um, but there can also be mix. So that means you have both stress and urge incontinence. And so these are things that as a pelvic PT, we can treat. Um, and so some risk factors include your age, just because there is hormonal changes that occur that make the tissue change in your pelvic floor. Pregnancy, you have a human being growing right on top of the bladder, meaning there's that added pressure. Childbirth, menopause, a hysterectomy, obesity, all of these are risk factors for um, incontinence. And then a couple of causes that we wouldn't think would matter are your posture. So especially for those of you who enjoy running or exercising with weightlifting, your posture is important because if we're not engaging our muscles properly, then we can add either more pressure to the pelvic floor, which can then cause some more stress incontinence, um, any decrease in pressure management. So we're going to talk a lot about breathing. That's one of the biggest things in pelvic floor is the importance of breathing. Um, because that's going to help us truly manage that pressure in your core very well. Again, lack of core coordination. So if we're not engaging all of the muscles at the appropriate times, then that's where we get some issues and dysfunctions. Poor force absorption. So when you're jumping, running, anything that requires landing and those muscles aren't able, if we think of a trampoline and it doesn't absorb that force well, then we get some leaking there or a combination of all of the above. Okay, and so if you're having urgency, so meaning that the moment you get an urge, you need to go to the bathroom right then and there, there's a little trick that we call the urge suppression technique. And so what you do at this time is technically you're going to contract the pelvic floor muscles. So think of those Kegel exercises. So you're gonna do quick little contractions and then you're gonna take some nice deep breaths and you're going to distract your mind. So whether that's making a grocery list, counting backwards, and then at that time, if you still have an urge, then it's okay to continue to go to the bathroom because what we're doing is teaching the bladder that it's not, I mean, teaching the brain that, hey, just because we get an urge doesn't mean we have to go right then and there. We wanna make sure that we're building those good bladder habits. Uh, which means that 
we're not letting the urge kind of dictate what we do. So if you're able to hold it a little bit longer, you notice that the urge goes away, then awesome. We can hold it a little bit longer so that we're in that two to four hour range. But if you still have the urge, then calmly proceed to the bathroom at that time. Um, another thing to make sure is that we're not pushing our pee out. So if you feel like you have to force your pee out or you're pushing to get any last drops out, those are habits that aren't good for the pelvic floor. When we're peeing, we really want those muscles to relax. Um, so if you're practicing Kegels while you're going to the bathroom, that is going to confuse the bladder because um, when you're trying to go to the bathroom, the muscles are like, okay, we want to be relaxed let it all go. But if we start doing Kegel exercises while we're trying to go to the bathroom, then the brain is like, wait, I thought we were peeing. What's going on? Is it okay to pee now when we're contracting? And so that can also contribute to some of that leaking when with exercises and things like that. Um, another thing is making sure that we're just drinking water throughout the day versus I'm you know, I haven't drank water all day. Let me drink four glasses right before bed. Probably not a good idea because then your bladder is like, whoa, this is a lot of fluid. We got to go. Um, and then the other thing is that there are bladder irritants. So for certain people, some things like coffee, um, any citrus stuff, alcohol, to even tomatoes, these are all things that can irritate the lining of the bladder. So I have my bladder here. And so if we were to open it, we have tissue all around it here. So if any of, if you notice, okay, every time I drink coffee, I feel like I get an urge all the time, then that lets you know, okay, coffee is a bladder irritant for me. And so I would want to drink some water while I'm drinking my coffee. Um, so does that make sense? Okay, perfect. All right. And so then if you're having stress incontinence, what you can do is it's called the neck. And so during the assessment that we do as a pelvic PT, we'll ask the patient to cough. And so that lets us see, okay, are the muscles contracting when they need to be, or are they relaxing? And because our, <laughs> there you go. our pelvic floor muscles are, um, reactive. So that means that they anticipate any movement, any motion, um, but they're, they also should be working without us even thinking about it. So that includes our sneezing, our coughing, our laughing. So what the knack is, is we're just training those muscles to contract when we have something like a cough. So what you would do is you would perform a pelvic floor contraction, hold it, and then, <laughs> and then relax. And so that just starts getting those, those muscles to coordinate with what they're supposed to be doing when there's that sudden change of pressure with coughing, sneezing, and things like that. Alrighty. So with pregnancy, we know that one of the biggest or most common complaints is back pain, which makes sense. You know, we are standing here as you're growing, your center of gravity starts to change. You know, baby's growing this way. And so everything starts to tilt. Your back muscles are sore. You're having some back pain. 
Um, but if we think about our anatomy, so here is our sacrum. And so we have back muscles all along here attaching to it. If we come down here, you can see that there is various pelvic floor muscles attaching to it as well. On top of it, we have glutes all around it. And then even your hamstrings. So if hamstrings go from here and they have tendons attaching onto the sacrum. So that means there's a lot related to this one sacrum here for what we're doing. And so um, what these muscles do is that they play, the pelvic floor muscles play an important role in how to control the pressure of one, you're growing a baby, but also making sure that you're still able to go through your pregnancy without leaking because leaking isn't normal. It's common. A lot of people experience it, but it's not normal. And there's something that can be done about it. It's not something that you have to deal with. Um, and Kegels are not always the answer, especially with leaking. I feel like that is one of the main things that people think are the answer. And sometimes that ends up making it worse. So your pelvic floor and your core or your trunk muscles co-contract to provide you stability in the lumbar and pelvic spine. So if we think about it, you know, this pelvis is connecting your upper body with your lower body. So meaning it has a lot of work to do. It's important when you're walking, it's important when you're changing positions from laying down to sitting, from sitting to standing um, and all of those things. And so there is a lot of control that happens here. And that is one of the roles of the pelvic floor is that it helps stabilize the pelvis. Um, so if we're not able to coordinate the muscles to do what they need to do, then that's where we can have low back pain. Um, then some other things that you can see as pelvic floor dysfunction or that can let you know, okay, something's going on is constipation. So like we talked about before, the muscles of the pelvic floor help contract and relax for you to have a bowel movement. So if you're having issues going to the bathroom, that is a place that we can look and we can see, okay, are these muscles able to relax? What is your position when you're going to the bathroom? You know, and then we'll also talk about, okay, what does your nutrition look like? You know, is that something that we need to address as well? Um, another thing is any pain. So you can know that you have increased pelvic floor tension, sometimes with pains with inserting tampons, pains with during intimacy or pelvic exams um, and things like that. Okay, I think I put these slides wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna flip it forward and then flip it backwards. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I always like to go into like how we feel pain. And there's really kind of six ways um, that we feel pain. We have mechanical pain, thermal pain, chemical pain, um, neuro pain, nerve pain, um, and other categories are autoimmune, chronic stress, our emotions. So just like the rest of our body, the pelvic floor is very similar. There are patterns to everything that we do and that those patterns, um, like it are really mechanical pain. Like they're, they're, they're things that, that we can see and we can make changes to, 
Um, and that's really what, what a physical therapist can help you with. So mechanical pain would be like the musculoskeletal system and how it kind of works together. You can have constant pain with that. It can be pain that comes and goes, um, but it's, it's things that, that usually can be fixed. Thermal pain would be like burns. So we can kind of take the, that off the plate. And then chemical pain would be like, I have that injury. We have swelling that happens and that, um, that swelling is are kind of like all the chemicals and chemicals can kind of can treat chemicals. So that would be like that constant achy throbby type pain. If you don't have constant achy throbby pain, for the most part, the drugs aren't going to help. It's, it's, it's just, it's just kind of what it is. A lot of times we'll hear people like, yeah, I might've taken the edge off, but it really didn't do anything. It's because it wasn't the chemical pain. That was the problem. It was something that was more mechanical that can be, um, that can be addressed. And so when we look at like, um, the pelvic floor, how people have kind of explained it to me, and this is, um, what made so much sense to me, especially with like the Kegel exercises is that, you know, we're told Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. That's what we need to do. Do these Kegel exercises and let's hold them. Let's do them five times out of the day. That would be like saying, okay, I'm going to do a bicep, bicep hold. And I'm going to hold it. You know, I'm going to only work on my bicep because that's the only part of the body that I need to strengthen. Um, and, but the bicep, like if I wanted to go and throw the ball, um, to, you know, your son or whatever, you have to use multiple muscles and some muscles have to be relaxed and some muscles have to be contracted and how it all kind of works together. It's not one muscle. And that's really what you can think of when you look at like the pelvic floor is that Kegels is just one is like one of the muscles. There's so many factors that go into play. There's so many other muscles and some need to be tight. Some need to be um, need to be strong. Some need to be relaxed, but how they all work together is really that the mechanics of it. And that's really what a pelvic floor PT will do. Um, neuro pain would be like the nerve pain. And just because someone gets nerve pain, um, whether you have pregnancy or, or you just have some back pain and you have some nerve pain, it doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to have surgery. We see people with nerve pain all the time. And a lot of times there's, there's things that, um, that we can do, whether it's something that's been scarred down that presents very differently, um, than something that is movable, like a disc or something that's on the nerve or a muscle that is, um, tightened and pinching the nerve, they all present differently. And when you come to a physical therapist, um, that's, that's good, that can spend time with you, they can really move you around and test to figure out, okay, this is, this is where this pain is coming from. We can take this off. Now, if you have something like drop foot, or you're having some red flags that are going with it, we know mm, if we can't get some resolution like that day of improving it, we're like, go to the doctor, we need to get further testing. So, but that's kind of the nerve pain. Other categories that people don't really talk about are autoimmune, um, and chronic stress. Um, and they both can create pain and they both can give you problems in the pelvic floor as well as everywhere else. Um, I'm a prime example of someone that ha had to deal with a lot of, um, um, kind of like a chronic stress, like my, my dad had passed away and it was just very stressful for me. And I just held it all in. And when you hold it in, your body's going to respond. Your tissues are going to feel that. And everyone's going to be a little bit different in how they feel those, those tissues. But literally for me, it like killed my hormones and, um, it great gave me all sorts of crazy symptoms and, you know, going to the doctor literally 
they asked me after I was sharing my whole story of like my dad died, I was totally fine before this. And then I'm having all these, um, all these symptoms. And he literally asked what my age was. And at that time I was like 38 or 39 years old. And he goes, Oh yeah, that's just what happens as you get older. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's a real thing. Like, I, I mean, you hear patients say this all the time, but it happens all the time and it's not true. And so I had to do a lot of things to help get my body back into balance, to get things to work um, right. And some of it was from the stress and the increase um, cortisol that happens that that happens and can create all sorts of problems in your body. I guarantee you there was autoimmune issues that were going on at the same time that I had to, to address. Some of the autoimmune issues is that is the whole, like it's, it's a part of like our gut health and our gut health, you know, it's all down in that same area and can give you all sorts of problems, including constipation, um, as well as bloating, um, you know, fatigue at the, you know, there's just a lot of things that can cre create, um, autoimmune type responses. And part of that is you're going to have to fix the guts in order to get some of those things back in balance. Another piece that you'll see, especially with females, when they start move, moving into, um, premenopause or menopause is their sleep patterns start, start coming off. Um, you know, it's getting harder and harder for you, for you to sleep or get a full sleep. And I can tell you, I've been through it. <laughs> and come out of it, it is possible to get your sleep back to, back to where it's feeling great and getting your energy levels back to the way they were, even if um, you have problems within like your, your hormones or things like that. So I just want to, you know, let you guys, you know, be aware of, we have to get to the source of the problem and you've got to figure out what category you're in with a lot of different questions and things that we ask so that we can really address the root cause of, of the problem. So these categories are really important to kind of go through. So you can really understand, um, how as a physical therapist, how we start narrowing things down, asking questions to really figure out, okay, we're going to test this, this, and this, because we know that from all of our questioning, we've got to go and start ruling things in and ruling things out. And that's where the evaluation comes into play. Now, when we go back and go into, um, surgeries, the first option, I mean, I was shocked when I started going and doing more and more research um, in this area, just so that I could um, just write some content to, to, you know, help people understand that this is something that can be helped. I was just shocked at honestly what Google had said. Like you looked up Google for the most part and surgery wasn't a lot of it. I mean, I've seen people that, um, you know, are, you know, their, their uterus is, um, is kind of starting to fall down or it's not even falling down. And the doctors are saying, okay, when you're done with kids, let's just go ahead and take your uterus out. No, <laughs> that's not what, what we need to do. There's so many things that we, that can be helped, to, um, to, you know, basically kind of fix the problem. And a lot of times when you have a surgery, it, it doesn't fix the problem. You're just treating the symptom and then it comes all back, oh, back again. So let's go back to Kayla and let's talk about maybe some of the surgeries that you have seen that you, that women wish they never would have had a, um, if they would have known more about, um, what, what a pelvic floor therapist does. Yeah. So one of the common ones that we see is a bladder mesh, like, like you were talking about for prolapse. And so what that is, it's, a piece of mesh that they will put to hold up the bladder and they attach it onto the walls of the abdomen. And again, like Stephanie said, we're not addressing the why. So 
most of the times with prolapse and like really what it is, is let's say we're going to take the bladder again, but what we feel for is, okay, if you exert some pressure down, is there slight movement? Is it, you know, coming towards the opening? What's going on? That's what prolapse is. It's just slight movement towards the opening. And there's different grades for it. So grade zero means that there's no movement from its original spot. Grade one, it's, you know, from its original spot to this first knuckle. So a therapist will have their finger internally and kind of assess, okay, there's some movement there. A grade two would be from that first knuckle to the opening. So that's a grade two, grade three is slightly coming out from the opening and grade four, we're out. And most of the times, honestly, pelvic PT can resolve most of these issues because what prolapse is usually is a pelvic floor and pressure management dysfunction. Um, and so again, when they do this, this mesh repair, yes, they're doing that. But if you're not breathing properly during certain movements, or, you know, let's say you're holding your breath when you're coming up from sitting, you know, something like that, we're not addressing the issue. And most of the times there, the issues start happening again. And people are like, I just had surgery for this. Why didn't this work? Things like that. Um, some other things that we see are, diastasis recti. So that abdominal separation is doctors will go in, sew up the muscles together, but then you're going through another surgery. And I feel like that is one of the things that people are like, okay, this is going to fix it, but you have to heal from a surgery. There is scar adhesions. You have to reach like the muscles. This is trauma to your body, to your muscles. There's a whole healing process. So it's not just, okay, we did the surgery, everything's fixed. We're like, nope, now we had a whole surgery and we have to heal and go through that process all over again. So a lot of the times these surgeries aren't addressing the why that we need that, that we need it to. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like even when someone comes into our office from a, <clears throat> you know, knee pain, back pain, neck, shoulder pain, um, ultimately, you know, what I tell people is that if you don't get to like what, what you're doing throughout the day or why it's happening, you're just going to um, be going back into the same patterns and process and, and, and everything kind of starts back over again. I always use the finger analogy. You pull your finger back, you can do all the surgeries, the massage, even the PT and the strengthening. But if you don't stop pulling your finger back, you're, you're still going to be having the same problem as before, no matter if you have the surgery, you don't have the surgery. And, and I know like I was shocked with like one of my friends who does, um, women's health. Um, and she was telling me, you know, like even prolapse surgery has a 50% failure rate. And that's, that's not, that's not a good, a good place to be in if you're going to have surgery. Exactly. Okay. All right. So going back to pain, this spironeumia is painful intercourse. So, um, and it's just pain that occurs at the entry. So there's superficial. So meaning, let me grab my model here. So that means pain right at the opening. So that's more superficial or there is deep. So that is more inside of that vaginal canal. Um, and so this can be with it, like when you're inserting a tampon, inserting a menstrual cup, 
during a pelvic exam, during intercourse, anytime that there is insertion and there's pain, that lets us know something is going on with the pelvic floor. And I love that you talked about the different kinds of pain because that is very crucial to the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor is a very emotional area. And so when you're stressed, if you notice that you start clenching your glutes or that you start clenching your abs, that's going to affect the pelvic floor. Um, also, if there's been any trauma, so any um, sexual, physical, mental, emotional trauma, like your body stores it, like we talked about. Um, for example, I had a patient who came in during her evaluation, she noticed that she had some resentment towards her husband because he was on his phone and that fixed everything. That was it. She realized that she didn't have pain. And then some other causes can be tightness of the pelvic floor. So again, if we think about childbirth, you know, those during intercourse, those are times that we want the pelvic floor to be able to relax. But if there's too much tension, then of course, something kind of pushing its way in is going to hurt. Um, sometimes irritating products. So just like um, everything else, what we put inside our bodies is very important. So just like we want to make sure that we're eating good food and things like that, we want to prioritize what we're putting in our bodies. So, you know, what is your feminine health or men health as well? Like, what does that look like? You know, are we using soaps that have a lot of fragrance and perfumes that can be irritating to the skin? Um, lotions as well, lubricants. So a lot of the common lubricants that they have at a general store, most of the times have ingredients that are irritating to whether it's the vulva or even for men's to the penis as well. Same thing with condoms. If we're using condoms that have irritating ingredients, that's not good for the pelvic floor. Same thing with tampons, menstrual pads, um, all of those, anything that's going in, we want to make sure that it's good ingredients that aren't going to irritate the pelvic floor because sometimes just switching what kind of lubricant you're using can make the world of a difference and your pelvic floor will be happy and your pain is gone. Um, other things that can cause painful um, insertion are endometriosis. So this is when the lining that we find inside so you see this lining here, that lining starts growing on the outside. So that can be, you know, it has been found up in the bowels, up in your abdomen. Some people have found it on top of the uterus, on the bladder, on the rectum. And so this causes a lot of inflammation and then can cause a lot of pain. Same thing with hormone changes. So for some women, they notice, okay, as I'm closer to my period, I have a lot more pain or when I'm closer to ovulating during those times that there's inflammation, they have a little bit of pain, whether it's due to ovarian cysts or um, again, the endometriosis, things like that, menopause um, and breastfeeding. Those are times where estrogen levels are different. And so that causes a big difference in just the tissue of your pelvic floor. So it's not necessarily that um, 
it's causing certain things, but we just have more dry. So for example, with breastfeeding, there's a little bit more vaginal dryness, same thing with um, menopause. And so during those times, sometimes we recommend an estrogen cream or something to lubricate the tissue of the vulva. Um, and then another thing is uterine fibroids. And these are fibroids that grow on the uterus. And so they take up space, which causes some discomfort. All right, and so we talked about the definition of prolapse a little bit. And so again, this is a descent of a pelvic organ. So whether that's the rectum, uterus, or the bladder towards that vaginal opening. Um, and so there's different types. So there could be like just the bladder, just the urethra. You can see the prolapse, I mean the uterine prolapse. Um, vaginal vault. And so most of the times what this means is that there, so if we think about it, this is how everything is lined up inside the pelvic floor. So this would be the front and this would be the back. And so as a therapist, what I would feel is, okay, is there some weakness in the front of the pelvis or the back? Because all of these organs are supported by tissue that's coming from your abdomen. So things aren't just gonna fly out um, and they feel that way, but I promise it's not. And so we have, so if you think about your skin, we have your skin layer underneath that, we got muscles, but in between, if you think of like a chicken breast or chicken thigh, there's that thin filmy layer. We have that in everywhere in our body. And so that's what helps, that's that connective tissue that we have around our organs. And so sometimes, whether it's hormonal changes, whether it's you know muscle weakness, all of these play into a role for, or whether it's just bad pressure management that can all affect pelvic floor prolapse um, or organ prolapse. And so the way that you may notice it is you may feel like you're sitting on a walnut. When you're sitting, you're like, okay, it feels like I'm sitting on something. It feels like I'm sitting on a small ball. Um, when you're standing, you feel some heaviness. It can also present as back pain, um, pelvic pain. You can have incontinence due to prolapse. Um, but it will also alter your day-to-day -day activities. So intercourse may be uncomfortable. Um, you know, you may not want to get down in a squat because you feel like you're like something's going to fall out. And so pelvic PT plays a huge role in this because we are able to teach you, okay, how do we properly breathe during those movements that cause increased pressure? what is the actual issue here? Is it more of a hormonal thing? Do we need to address that? Um, is it more of your breathing patterns? You know, what does it look like when you're doing X, Y, and Z? Or is there something that needs to be done? Because most of the times, like we talked about with the repairs, we're not addressing the why. And so you come to PT, you come to CS because we want to get down to, okay, why why are these organs moving towards the opening? So one of the things, and we'll kind of go back and forth on this one, but like what other healthcare providers miss. First of all, I think um, other healthcare providers have no clue what a pelvic floor physical therapist can actually do. 
I think that's one problem, <laughs> but I always say like, you know, you go to um, a doctor and they only look at you one way. So let's say, you know, you go to your gynecologist and they, they don't look at the whole full picture. So no one ever really gets to the source of the problem. They just look at it one way. Um, same thing with, um, you know, I say like too much testing, we test so much, but we don't actually sit down and have a conversation. And if you are doing an exam with a doctor, a physical therapist, um, really anyone, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, a 10 minute conversation is not going to work to come up with a game plan. It just is not, you really need like someone to sit down and actually spend time asking you questions, getting understanding, just like what Kayla said, it's really going into the why, why is this happening? What are some of the things that you're doing throughout the day that may, may be a problem? And honestly, surgery, and I'm talking, this is for all body parts for the most part. I mean, I think that we could probably prevent if you found a good physical therapist, probably prevent conservatively 60% of the surgeries that are happening every day in the United States. Um, so surgeries don't always give you the answers for these conditions. Um, and I, I honestly, I don't know a female that said that they were super happy with the surgery. Um, most have been like worse off. Now there are times, um, and we'll, I'm going to share with you the story that surgery is needed and, and, um, and it is there for a purpose. I'm not saying that we, we should never have surgery and we should never be on drugs. Um, honestly, my patients are shocked when I'm like, yeah, I think you do need to have surgery. Like, oh my God, no way. Like she never says that. And, but it, there is a place for it. And really understanding that Kegel exercises are, um, are not the end all be at all. Um, they're, they, a lot of times that's the only thing that you're offered. Um, when you go to a doctor or look up information on Google, but it's, it actually can make, make you worse. And then most doctors really, honestly, like I just said before, have no clue how they can solve this problem naturally, um, or what even a woman's health or a pelvic floor physical therapist actually can do for you. Yeah. What else would you add, Caleb? <laughs> yeah. And like, I would add, so for example, when women go to their six week checkup postpartum, your, whether it's your OB or your midwife, they're not looking for the same things that we're looking at. You know, they're looking to see, okay, if you had any tearing, did everything heal well? Um, whereas we go in and we're like, okay, again, what does your breathing look like? What are these muscles doing? Can they contract? Can they relax? What is the strength of the muscles? What is the coordination of the muscles? Can they relax? And, you know, we're talking about things outside of your pelvic floor. You know, what injuries did you have growing up? Did you play soccer and roll your ankles, you know, multiple times? Because that all, you are so much more than just your pelvic floor, but to treat the pelvic floor, we have to treat the whole body. And so that includes stress management, you know, like you can be having all of these things, you know, holding on to tension and that's causing some prolapse where it's like, okay, we need to work on some stress management techniques um, and things like that. And that's how we address the pelvic floor. Um, like you said, there's too much testing being done when instead of having that conversation. And really, I think like as a therapist, I've learned that listening is the best tool that I can use because if I'm just like, oh, you're doing this, this, and this. Oh yeah. I think it's X, Y, and Z. Like, no, I need to know your story because you can have two people with incontinence or two people with back pain, but they can be having back pain for several different reasons. Um, 
or even leaking. Yeah, even leaking. Yeah. So like I can have someone who's leaking because their pelvic floor is actually weak or I can have someone leaking because their pelvic floor is too tight. And so that's where we, we wouldn't know that. And that's why Kegels are, it's just too broad of an answer and not taking the time to actually see, okay, what is the why again? Um, and yeah, most doctors don't know what pelvic PTs can do. And like, we've had plenty of patients who come in and they're like, this wasn't even an option, or I wish I would have known. Um, or where doctors are like, oh, no, you're okay. You don't need it. And they're like, well, I'm still going to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and I'm also amazed. We've been getting people um, that have been coming through our office and it's like, they're doing testing, whether they go to a rheumatologist and they're testing, everything's coming back negative, but they're like, no, you have rheumatoid arthritis and let's give you these pills. I'm like, the tests are coming back negative and you're still telling them that they have you know, problems. And, you know, same thing with like, and we're going to share a story here in a second um, of one of my patients that we work together with. Um, and literally I was like, oh my God, our tests are coming back negative, but the doctor's still giving her antibiotics. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like, so you just have to, that's why this information is so, so good. Pow, pow, knowledge is power. So if you have the knowledge, at least, you know, like, okay, I know this is not right. I know I can find someone that can help. Um, and, and really that's what this is. This is all about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with things like UTIs, if you're getting a negative result for a UTI, don't take the antibiotics because you don't need them. It's going to mess up your gut health. Yeah. And your pelvic floor muscles can mimic a UTI. Yeah. And I think that's where we're going to like to the story. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share my story of one of my patients, um, that we kind of work together with, but so she was, um, someone that had fallen, um, and she'd been in my office before with some back pain and all of a sudden she had all this back spasming and called me up. And I mean, literally couldn't even get, out of bed because she was in so much spasming and she'd asked me before if I knew like a pelvic floor physical therapist and I was like oh yeah yeah I have someone and she was asking if I could help with UTIs like no that's not really my specialty but I can get you to someone that can well come to find out when she came in and I was working on her I was like okay I mean after the second visit I'm like I could feel a mass in her stomach I'm like you need to get this checked out don't think it's anything massive or major. I've seen stuff like this before, um, but you need to get this checked out because this is causing all of your problems. And come to find out she had this fibroid in her stomach and she'd been dealing with this for the last six months. Um, and she got, she went to a, a special, so she was at a specialist. She was a gynecologist urologist. They specialized in gynecology and urology. And she was getting um, UTI after UTI after UTI. The first one came back positive, was on an antibiotic. She was on three more antibiotics um, after that, at least three, um, because she kept on getting spasming in her bladder that was making her feel like she was having a UTI, but it was really this fibroid. And honestly, the fibroid was so big. Uh, I mean, I could feel it in her stomach. That's what I was feeling when her, when her muscles were so spasmed. I could feel it in her stomach. And so finally the doctor's like, oh yeah, that's your fibroid. I guess we should take it out. And I'm like, yeah, if you don't take this out, you're not going to get better. I mean, she finally did take it out and she's doing so much better now, but this is just one of those things. Like, you know, I think when you go to 
a physical therapist, because we can spend so much time with the, with our clients, we, we will notice things way, way more than a physician, because a lot of times they're, they're only seeing them for like five, 10 minutes. Um, so sometimes it's hard to, to catch everything, um, which is why, you know, spending time is really the answer. Spending time listening is really the answer to a lot of things. That's, that's the tool that we need to be using in healthcare system. And that's the tool that's gone away. We're just using all the testing and everything to guide us and like, okay, this test means that we take this pill and it's just not true. So, um, I don't know, you can, you can tell the, the other side of the, of the story. Cause you saw her as well. Yeah. And so when she came in, you know, she started telling me about these reoccurring UTI like symptoms and she just kept testing negative every time, but they just kept giving her antibiotics. And, and once I told her, the moment I told her your, your pelvic floor muscles can mimic a UTI, she was just in shock because she's like, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was just making this up. I felt hopeless. And I'm like, no, like there is a reason why your muscles are, you know, responding the way that they are. And that's because you have this big old fibroid on your uterus, um, which then, you know, just causes dysfunction around. Like um, everything is pretty close, close to each other. So if you have something growing right on here, that's going to affect that bladder. And it's also going to affect your bowels. So everything is interrelated. And so that's why it's so important for us to ask those questions as therapists. But also, if you're going to the doctor and they're not asking those questions, that can also raise a flag of awareness to you to just kind of say, okay, if they're not looking at this, this came back negative, who can I go to? Who can I talk to that will listen and ask me about you know, my sleep, my eating, my bowel, my bladder, my menstrual cycles growing up, like all of those things were important because even she had, you know, some dysfunction in her menstrual cycles. And we're like, okay, that correlates with what you have going on. Um, whereas if someone's just coming in for a five, 15 minute visit, you're not going to be able to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's just, I don't, I don't know how you can come up with a diagnosis Unless someone fell, fractured your arm, you took an x-ray. Yep, it's fractured. You can do that in a pretty quick diagnosis. But when you're not really sure what's going on and it just started one day and you're getting all these random symptoms, you cannot, you can't get that in a five-minute conversation. Okay. So are there any other stories you want to share? Yeah, I have. So I feel like one of my favorite things to treat is bladder pain, just because it is such a whole body way of treating a person. Um, so there is interstitial cystitis or bladder pain syndrome. Um, I have a lot of people who are diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, but then they actually don't have that actual, it's not really what they have. Um, and so just, yeah, saw her today. Um, and now at this point, she's just coming in for maintenance. Like really, she just wants to make sure that she is still doing good. So she's just coming in to see me for some dry needling at this point, just to make sure all is good. But she came in and was hopeless. She thought she, there was no answer that she was going to live with this painful bladder forever. It was affecting what she wore. It was affecting, um, 
just her day-to-day -day life. She couldn't sit for long periods of time. She couldn't wear underwear because it was so irritating. Um, she couldn't be intimate with her husband, which then affected, you know, mental health with, you know, am I enough? What, like all of these things start cascading. Um, and it's just been so awesome to see her now that she can go to a concert and sit on a hard chair and enjoy herself and not have to worry about, you know, am I going to have pain right now? Is this going to flare me up? Like she can enjoy her life. She can drive herself because there was a point where she couldn't even drive because she was in so much pain. And really all it took was, okay, let me listen. Let me see what's going on okay, your IC test came back negative. So nope, it's not necessarily just the bladder. But then we started looking at the muscles. So we started addressing that. We were addressing, you know, eating habits that um, were affecting just like she had a lot of sensitive gut issue stuff. So okay, let's get you on some probiotics. Let's start healing that gut to help with any of that inflammation as well. Um, and slowly you could see that that nervous system just started desensitizing and that pain became a lot more central. Um, and now she's at that point where she's like, I'll call you when I want to come back in. And it's just been so amazing to see someone go from hopeless feeling like they have no answer. No one can help them to, they feel confident that they can manage their own symptoms if something were to happen. And that's really the goal of, of me as a therapist is for my patients to feel like, okay, I can manage, if I have a flare, I can manage my symptoms. I know what to do or, okay, you know what? I need a little extra help. I can come back in because I, I mean, I feel, I don't know if this is something that you see too, just like in the private sector that, you know, patients are doing their homework, um, they take that ownership and I don't see you two to three times a week. So I'm not constantly telling you what to do. It really just takes a lot of education, making sure that patients understand what, what they're experiencing. Cause that was another thing too, is like when you don't have any answers, don't have any direction, don't know what is going on. That is that causes anxiety, that causes stress, that causes frustration, and all of those feelings, like we talked about emotion and chronic stress can exacerbate your pain. And so, yeah, when it comes to pain, like all of those things are so important. And so it's just been so awesome to see that. Yeah, we're very similar. Um, we, we see people typically once a week um, but a lot of it comes down to the education and empowering, um, and, you know, ba basically coaching them through the whole process. That's, that's almost how I almost describe us is that we're just kind of coaching people through, but we see people all the time that have lost hope and didn't think they could get back. And, and then they totally did, yeah. which is like, I mean, honestly, this is why you, I get into physical therapy. It's, it's yeah. so that we can really impact people's lives and, um, and let people know that it's possible because the body has an amazing ability to heal. If we give it the right environment, if we get to the source of what truly is going on. And so often it's multifactorial. It's not just one thing, just like you're saying, like, you got to look at the diet. You've got to look at, you know, the emotional side of things. You've got to, you've got to look at the, you know, what's going on with the whole body. It's not just one piece of it because it's all connected.
And same thing with even VBACs too. So a lot of patients who have a C-section think I've had a C-section once, this is it. And it's like, no, like there are other options. And I've gotten to see patients who thought they couldn't have a vaginal birth and have had a successful vaginal birth and had great recovery because they were given a second opinion. Yeah. Well, honestly, like the biggest things we want you to take from this is that Kegels does not fix all problems. Um, that most of the time, no one really gets the source of your problem and why it's actually really happening. Surgeries don't always help in guiding treatment and resolving these issues. Um, and honestly, seeing a specialist to help you figure out where the source is coming from, you'll get there faster. Uh, if by, by seeing someone to really get to, to hone in on like, what is your problem? Because a lot of times, you know, someone could have back pain, you know, pelvic floor pain, um, any kind of pain. And you can see four people with the same type of pain, but it might be coming from four different areas or com or different combinations. So really getting to um, a specialist will really help with that. And then really just want to give you hope that, that you can get back to living your life and doing what you love to do, because we see it all the time. Now, I know we have one last thing. Um, yeah, we have some emails coming to you also to give you some other resources. Um, and then just wanted to let you know that for next month, we have a really fun event. We're going to do actually a block party with a lot of different vendors and fun things um, on Saturday. And it's right. It's really close to our office on Garland Road. Um, but want to let you guys know about that before um, we, we stop the recording. But there are some questions, too, that I want to ask um, Kayla because uh, from people that had asked us. Um, some of them I think we went through, but we'll just kind of go through them a little bit. So one of them is, um, is like leakage, like leakage after having surgery, um, whether it was a female that had surgery or a male that had surgery. Um, tell us a little bit about like how long something like that would typically take. And is there a difference between like males and females? And I know that's a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're talking about kind of like urinary incontinence, like things. Yep. Yep. Kind of um, so typically it, I feel like the famous PT answer is it depends. <laughs> um, so we tend to see this and it also depends on what kind of surgery or what happened. Um, so for example, with childbirth, some patients will have a little bit of leaking, maybe that first, second week, and then it's gone. Um, if it's more of a, um, like pelvic floor type surgery. Typically, again, leaking can be common, but it's not normal. So any kind of leaking if that's been going on is something that should probably, probably be addressed, um, whether that's male or female. So if you notice, like if you've had a repair, whether that's like from hemorrhoids or something like that, and you're noticing some gas leaking or something like that, or feces leaking, then those are signs that, okay, we need to address what is going on, whether that was just trauma from the surgery itself, whether it's any muscular, neuromuscular dysfunction going on post-surgery, um, some tightness going on that can be affecting or causing some stress incontinence, um, or is there actual weakness? You know, was there any damage to any nerves? What, what is the tissue doing? How is it healing? Like these are all things that would need to be talked about um, to kind of figure out what's going on. 
Yeah, what is specifically like for males, like if they, um, cause you'll see a lot of um, males that will have like either like prostate cancer or something going on where they take, take that piece out. Yeah. What have you seen as far as recovery from something like that? Uh, personally, I, I don't, I'm not one of the therapists that treats the males in our <laughs> clinic. So I personally haven't seen any, but I will definitely ask the other therapists. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, that's okay. There's just some questions. Um, what about, um, when like complete, like where you feel like your bladder's not, not, um, emptying all the way. Yes. Okay. So if you feel like your bladder isn't emptying all the way and you end up feeling like you need to push a couple drops out instead of pushing your pee out, what I would recommend is tilting your pelvis. So as you're sitting on the toilet, think of tilting that pelvis back and forth or side to side. So kind of tilting as you're sitting, you'll tilt forward, tilt back, side to get those last strips out. But another very powerful thing that you can do is breathing. So if you have a good position and what a good position for toileting is, is, let me see if I have something. Okay. We're going to pretend this is a toilet here. Um, and you are sitting on it. We want your knees to be a little bit higher than your hips, because if we think about them, I'm going to pretend these are the muscles of the pelvic floor and this is your rectum here. You have these muscles that go from the front, from the front, all the way around, they kind of work you back around. And so they will kink the pelvic floor mm -hmm. if they're kind of slanted this way. So think knees down. Whereas if we bring them up, they can relax a little bit, makes voiding, whether that's bladder or bowel easier. And so if we are pushing your urine out during those times that you feel like you aren't fully emptying, then what you're actually doing is contracting the muscles, which then tells the brain, hey, we're not voiding anymore. So then you're not really getting much out versus if we were to sit, relax and breathe, those muscles can relax, which then would allow for that urine to come out. And I think we went over like going to the bathroom every 10 to 30 minutes. Um, you gave some options on that, like um, holding the pee, um, like doing the Kegels and breathing, right. and that, that urgency kind of goes away. Um, I'm sure like how you're drinking water might affect that, the foods that you're eating, those kind of things. Was there anything else on that? Um, and with that too, it always takes some time. So like yeah. if you're great, <laughs> if you're like, okay, right now I am going every 30 minutes. Okay. Then let's add an extra five minutes. Like do small attainable incremental goals versus going from okay, I'm going every 30 minutes. Let me go. I'm going to try to go two hours now. That's a very drastic change that you haven't trained. Again, we're talking about habits. So it's a habit that we have to build. Um, and then again, remembering that your bladder will let you know when it's half empty. So that's that first urge. And so then we kind of have to wait for that second urge to know that, okay, our bladder is, um, fully empty. And also again, yeah, like Stephanie mentioned, you know, making sure 
what we're drinking, you know, is it a bladder irritant? How much water are we drinking? How hydrated? So besides water, you know, are we getting our minerals like sodium and potassium to keep that good balance of minerals in our body? Um, yeah, that's about it. And then I think the last one that we have is, um, I think based on <laughs> what was written down was there was a hysterectomy um, and the urologist recommended Kegel exercises, acupuncture, electrical stimulation for two months. Um, she's not sure if that's what's causing some of her back pain. Um, she has frequent urination and also bladder leakage. Okay. Um, yeah. So post hysterectomy. Uh, okay. You said bladder leakage and frequent urination. urination. So a lot of the times, especially like with something that invasive, again, that can affect things in the front. So the bladder or things in the back, the rectum and bowels. And so with that, you know, doing those urge suppression techniques, can help um same thing with the frequency and the other thing is would be looking at okay what is going on with the pelvic floor muscles especially with kind of talking about back pain and something up front because these muscles attach to both the front and the back that kind of points me towards okay something's going on in the pelvic floor that we're missing here cool well, I'm going to stop the recording. If there's any other questions that um, you guys want to ask, then we can. Um... Hey y'all, I'm Catherine, Client Relations Manager of Empower Physical Therapy. If you're interested in speaking to one of our specialists on how we can help you, click the link below to set up a time with one of our physical therapists.